Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Hello, my name is Colin O'Regan and there will be no Dave. Welcome to episode 46 of the No Encore podcast, where, yes, we are without Mr. Hanratty, laid low by tonsillitis. However, thankfully, I'm not flying alone. Uh, beside me is uh, my trusted friend, colleague, wingman, but unfortunately not nickname giver, Mr. Craig Fitzpatrick. Well, when you talk about nicknames, you missed the perfect pulling opportunity there. There will be no Hancore, surely. I should have taken that intro, man. What? What are you doing? We've oh, fallen at the first I've article. messed this up already. <laughs> Either way, yeah, we're here to talk you through we the are. week because tonsillitis has indeed felled our brother. He's been uh, silenced for, yeah, for first once. time ever. I mean, I'm not going to say it's because he didn't get to see the end of the Royal Rumble on Sunday, but it might have been. Who knows? Shit, yeah, you had a boys' night out. Um, yeah. And it didn't end. It ended with a whimper. Yeah. And a police raid. Well, no, it should be said <laughs> that, yeah, we have nothing to do with the police raid. Apparently, some guy got booted out of this screening of the Royal Rumble and decided to ring the guards in his anger, uh, who promptly turned up armed, armed, and shut it down. Armed? What yeah. would he have said to make it, like, have them armed? I have no idea. Apparently, though, the guards did arrive and then were, like, so surprised, pretty much blown away by the fact that, you know, everyone was so cooperative. Clearly, they weren't expecting a bunch of sort of like, you know, half nerds, half immature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching wrestling. Maybe he was like, there's wrestling going on. And they're like, oh, there's a fight. Oh, yeah. I can understand the guy, though. I can understand that level of pettiness when you're that drunk being drawn out. Perhaps (laughs) so, yeah. He he managed it. Fair play to him. Yeah. But... 
bit of a downer. It should be said that by the time this episode is out, I will have been watching the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. I'm taking no such chances on that front. I'm going over to a friend's house and uh, let it be said, call this a, a sort of a predated warning that, Yosef, if you try to pull a stunt like that, I will trash your house. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to miss it. I tried to get the day off. I couldn't get the day off, uh, the following day off. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing you're not a Tom Brady guy. Or are you? Yeah, no, I'm kind of a Tom Brady really? guy. Yeah, so and actually, I'm, I'm the underdogs. Yeah. Although it's kind of, are they even the underdogs, Atlanta? Yeah, no, no, yeah, Atlanta would be the underdogs. Yeah, certainly in, in terms of experience. Mainly, Tom Brady was banned by the commissioner, and he took picks from the New England Patriots and all that. And so it will be the height of awkwardness if he has to present the trophy at the end. That's mainly why I'm rooting for New England. Mm-hmm. Anyway, enough about me. You are in training, Prague, Amsterdam. <laughs> Donegal. It's not Donegal. Oh. It's Killarney. Killarney. I didn't even find out where it properly was. Just got, I'm getting a lift. Um, and I didn't have to book flights. Apparently, you don't have to book flights to Killarney. Is that the new so, stag capital of Ireland? Apparently so. Or will be after this weekend. Whoop. Uh, I'm not looking forward to it, man. What's wrong? I mean, after Prague, I believe the following week was just me and Dave on this. I was still hung over four days later. Prince had just died when we came on there. It was grim. Uh, I've been off the drink all month. I've been doing my yoga. I've been running. I've been Still no kefir. Still no kefir, no. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to take it easy, I think. I'm going to be like the responsible one that reminds everyone else how stupid they were. I think I'm going to go for that role. Yeah, everyone loves one of those at the stag. <laughs> I'm going to be that twat. I'm going to move from being a dry January twat to being one of those stag twats. Cool, so, so so the twat area is where you're going to specialise still. My twatdom is supreme, yeah. <laughs> Let's move into what's been happening this week and the news that the Grammys, which will be coming up uh, next weekend, basically, uh, replacing Royal Rumble and Superdome yeah, in our terms of... Uh, Super Bowl of music. Yeah, things to get excited about on a Sunday night. Um, not excited, Kanye West, Justin Bieber and Drake all saying that they may not attend... Um, this is based on uh, a quote which appears to be attributed particularly to, to Bieber's end, yeah. where he says he doesn't find the awards relevant or representative, especially when it comes to young singers. Which is a bit odd, isn't it? Like Bieber, Bieber taking a stand like this. I understand the Kanye West thing because he's long kind of bemoaned the Grammys and, you know, um, I think before he went away for a while, he was given out about Beyonce's kind of, you know, demands in terms of award shows. And he just says basically the whole thing's rigged. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting one because it's like, you know, are the Grammys irrelevant? And then I'm thinking like we're 20 years on from that Simpsons gag where like Homer after the B Sharps win gives the Grammy to like a bellboy and he's like, oh, it's just a Grammy. So like we're still talking about it 20 years later. Maybe it's not all that irrelevant. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I like I think everybody is in agreement within the industry that there is something a little bit you know, kind of backslappy and, you know, it's not the be-all and end-all. <laughs> Let's put it that way, you know. It's certainly blown out of proportion. And, of course, Frank Ocean um, didn't even put his album forward for the Grammys this year where he said that it, you know, just didn't seem, the awarding system and the nomination system didn't seem particularly useful yeah. right now and is it the, just another case of frank ocean being so above it all and everyone else just going oh, let's just do what frank ocean's it, doing there, there's <laughs> a little bit of that yeah I'm, i mean i do worry that this though is the point where you know some what slightly more serious issues shall we say like you know kind of diversity mm. in awards shows and stuff like that can quickly get caught up in 
personal taste. Yeah. Like when Justin Bieber is saying, like, you know, it doesn't do much for young singers. I mean... He hasn't um, benefited at all from award shows. Or yeah, and, and I don't know if that's a kind of a veiled statement or not. But, I mean, of all the people to pick on as well, the Grammys seems an odd choice, given that they had awards for, like, you know, best Latin trio in a blue hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up until, like, three or four years ago. Oh, they got rid of that, did they? They did, unfortunately. Oh, Wait yeah. for that. It's now, it's now only solo and duo uh, wearing blue hats. <laughs> but um, if you talk about the Grammys being out of touch, okay, so for this year's Grammys, they've gone with this promo that includes Taylor Swift's really rather obnoxious, I thought, thinly veiled anti Kanye speech from last year. Uh, it's being in, used in an ad, and the reason they're using it is because it was very much a speech about young women and how they, you know, are often told that, you know, what they've achieved in their life wasn't down to them, which is, a, you know, a very nice statement to make. But in the context of what she was doing last year, it was a very, I mean, you know, that wasn't even thinly veiled. Listen, I mean, I fully agree with you there. Absolutely. It was not even thinly veiled. Uh, everybody knows what she was up to. But part of me, part of me is really pleased that for once somebody's managed to take quotes out of context in a positive light. <laughs> you know, all the time the media and people in the broadcast industry are accused of like, you know, oh, you've chopped and changed this to make it look like I've said yeah, something yeah, I didn't. This is very true. And people have now made Taylor Swift look better than she actually was. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, apparently, her close friend Gigi Hadid. Yeah, right? I, I I believe you're pronouncing that correctly. Okay. Yeah, she said it was great and moved her and her sister Bella to full tears. Mm-hmm. Now, Gigi Hadid is what a model. Yeah, is so they she tell going? Me. Was she going out with the weekend, or was that someone else? No, that was Bella. Gigi oh, okay. was going out with Zayn. Okay, I All believe. Right. Oh, okay. Now in the good yeah. Right, she's part of the whole squad. If you just tuned in to uh, the E News Weekly podcast, <laughs> educating uh, Craig on the Taylor Swift squad. Yeah, hashtag squads. But yeah, um, I, I, I mean, as well, God bless. Like when you have all your friends just going like, "Oh, this moved me to tears," and you're like, "Well, watching your best mate on the telly." Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. I never Dave get... moves us to tears most weeks on this podcast. I was about to say, presumably, we're going to get messages next week from Dave <laughs> listening to you two guys. Moved me. Um, hopefully, you know, he's he's better by then. Indeed, I'm sure he will be. And what's more, we're counting that he's going to be better in just about a month's time. A little less at this stage. Yes, this because is very true. no encore live. If you haven't tuned in the past few weeks and have managed to miss Craig's ubiquitous social media barrage. <laughs> by the time this episode is out, I'll be all over the place. I'll be on my Tumblr. I'll be on my Bebo thing. I'll reactivate that. It's yep. all happening. Uh, no Encore Alive takes place on March the 2nd. It's at the Workman's Club. And frankly, a stunning lineup mm, has been assembled, really even if we say so ourselves. Uh, it's Weak Corners, Windings, Farah L and Bantam are all going to be there, all playing live. Yeah. Nice kind of choice else. music prize representation there in terms of nominations and judges. Absolutely. You'll be there. I will be there. Um, yeah, so it's such a good lineup. I feel like my kind of, you know, Twitter account with its 600 followers isn't quite needed to yeah. like, guys, please come along. Uh, I think it's, it's going to be fine. It should Spot be okay. And if you want to be there, don't waste time. Uh, visit noencorelive.eventbrite.ie yes. and grab your tickets. 10 euro. Is all the cost. The 2nd of March, it's bound to be 
a pretty good one. Briefly, by the way, speaking of the Choice Music Prize, the mm. nominations for Song of the Year oh, yeah. were announced yesterday. I mean, I imagine it's going to do extremely well with their public voting system. This is but it's not the most amazing list of Irish songs I've ever seen. It's very... Uh, vanilla might be, you know, giving it a bit too much credit. Now, I, I'm trying to remember how it worked when I judged it. I believe we were asked to pick our five top songs and then it was somehow added to kind of pu- public vote. It just seemed like the songs that ended up even on the nomination thing didn't really equate to what we'd picked. Yeah. So w- how did it work this time for yeah, you? Yeah, I, 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 I think it's something simple. I, okay. I don't know the, the inner mechanisms, mechanisms as it were. Um, Find out, man. You're yeah, a journalist. I know. Go digging, Colm. <laughs> Go digging. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a handful of songs on there. Uh, Saint Sister, for instance. Yes, I was actually, glad to yeah. see them get a nod. Um, James Vincent McMorrow, even though he's also off the album and stuff like that. And maybe... Stands out slightly on the list. I do think Rising Water was a wonderful track and he deserves to be there as well. Mm, yeah, but uh, yeah, maybe if you were looking for uh, the Ultimate Irish Playlist of 2016, you might feel slightly shortchanged. Frankly, if you were looking for a footballer's playlist... <laughs> and who isn't? Now this... Well, no, but this is the thing. I mean, normally, yeah, you, you bloody wouldn't be because you're expecting a lot of tosh. Yeah. And David Beckham, who has appeared on the 75th anniversary of Desert Island Discs. I mean, he fares slightly better than you were expecting. He's done all right, hasn't he? I mean, usually the kind of music football crossover is either John Barnes rapping or the doob. So, um, yeah, kind of a tasteful list. But he's kind of a tasteful guy these days, isn't he? Like, this seems... I, I don't want to be too cynical, but it seems like here's kind of my career and life in songs, which I suppose is what it is, but I don't know if he's constantly listening to these numbers. Oh, no, I doubt yeah, it very know. much. Like, I can't imagine him jamming out to all Spanish tunes as he's knocking yeah, about the This is when I played anything. for Real Madrid. Remember mm. that? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of kind of that list. But, but yes, yeah, y- you're it. right. Yeah, he's, he's turned into a classy bloke kind of against all odds, right? And, yeah. and, I mean, and then you look at his missus who... By all accounts, makes lovely frocks. I mean, I'm, I'm not familiar. Well, this is the thing. Spice Girls don't feature on the list. No. But, least, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, again, I'm, I'm good, pretty good sure move, she, Dave. she might agree with that one as well. And uh, yeah, it's most impressive as well, considering that he makes what looks like, you know, the start of a tremendous misstep uh, with his first selection being the Stone Roses. Because when, when a footballer, or, or frankly anybody, selects the Stone Roses first on their list, you're expecting this is going to go Oasis, Kasabian, another Stone yeah. Roses song, Blur, Kasabian, Oasis, and another Stone Roses song. Yeah. But no, uh, Rolling Stones, Wild Horses, Elton John, Something About the Way You Look Tonight, Ella Fitzgerald, Every Time We Say Goodbye, Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney, The Girl Is Mine, Michael MacDonald and the <laughs> Doobie Brothers, What, what a, a Fool, fool Believes. Alejandro Sanz and No Es Nolismo and Sidney Bechet, Si Tu Vois Ma Mère. See the way I was avoiding that list at all costs. And see how I can switch from one language to another. That was really impressive. I, um, I'm not going to lie, I was quite pleased. The Stone but, Roses uh, make sense though in a Man United context, I think. Of course. Um, I thought it might have been This Is The One just because they play it before most games at Old Trafford. Um, but I like his rationale that he was just like, oh, I was living in Manchester, it was the 90s. I think I went to the Hacienda once. once. Stone Roses. <laughs> just in case Alex Ferguson is still Had listening. Had a seven up, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also the list proves, as though there are any doubt, like he's clearly a massive softie, isn't he? He really is. Yeah. Yeah, he likes a kind of a nice ballad. It's just back-to-back love songs <laughs> and stuff like that. Fair play to him. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is a great show. Do you listen that much? Uh, no, I don't. It's and so I know funny. I should. 
it's one of those things like it's, I don't know. I remember someone writing that it's maybe one of the main reasons you would want to be famous because it's so indulgent in the guests. It's just like tell me everything about your life and just yeah. play some songs and it's, it's really cool. But it, yeah, it throws up some really interesting guests. Yeah, and fr- um, from a journalistic point of view, it's it's actually quite an interesting way to kind of like get I don't know get a, a window, oh, yeah. so to speak, or psychological an profile. Of yeah, David Cameron or, or even just Smiths or, to, yeah. to be able to jump to a certain point in someone's life. You yeah, know? it's a nice. If you framework. suddenly turn to somebody, you know, contrary to what you've seen on the actor's studio, if you turn to somebody and say, tell me about your life in 1986, they'll go, hmm, what, sorry, huh? Yeah. But whereas if you do it on the basis of your Desert Island Discs pick, it's suddenly such a like, natural oh, flow. let me think. Yeah. Yeah, um, it works. It's a great format. It's been like stolen from Liberty. We should be stealing from it a bit more, I think. <laughs> we're going to try Let's to chop be, that down, yeah. We're, we're going to try to stay polite. <laughs> um, and speaking of politeness, actually, this was great, by the way. Nothing's better than a rock star starting a missive <laughs> with Ahara. But that's exactly <laughs> what Colin O'Kissog, uh, the drummer of My Bloody Valentine, managed to do last weekend. Uh, he wrote to the Irish Times. And uh, not a happy bunny. Uh, no. he, he begins, an acceptance of muted culture is a dangerous place to agree, to be even. And I think, given the week that we've had in this world, we can all agree. Yeah. Uh, when old realities are wiped out by regulations that are put in place for the apparent betterment of society, what is lost in this transition? I'm not referring to current politics here, but to live music venues in the three arena in Dublin in particular. (laughs) And he goes on to basically explain that he's been at Black Sabbath and Neil Young in the past few months, and he's found it just too quiet. It is the most My Bloody Valentine-esque complaint ever, really, isn't it? Yeah, now it must be said, like, the band themselves were kind of famed for being just about the loudest on the planet yeah, during their heyday. Yeah, uh, I've, I've seen them once, Electric Picnic, where it probably wasn't anywhere near as loud as I can get. And even then, with earplugs during that Holocaust sec- segment, it was just it was a bit much. I think it's the anticipation, because it's become so famous, I think the anticipation beforehand, you're just like, oh shit, oh shit. Sure, well he said that, yeah, when up front of the gig, you're supposed to feel the drums and bass <laughs> rattle in your bones. Did that happen? It did not. The music should fill your head to the extent where it can bring you to an ecstatic place. Did that happen? Uh, yeah, it did. Okay. So, that's what he thinks gigs should be able to do, and basically he was saying that volume was low and he had just had to deal with that. He couldn't even mutter curses as it, would, as it would have annoyed people around me. Kind of a prawn sandwich brigade look yeah. at things now there. he has been playing for MBV for about, what, approaching 30 years. Might he be on a bit deaf? He's like, this is very loud. This used to be way louder. This could very easily be it, yeah. It's like, you were the drummer in my bloody Valentine. You know... Maybe you should. Maybe you're the problem here. Yeah, yeah. There was that amazing thing a couple of years ago where Kevin Shields put in a complaint about his noisy neighbours. Remember that? <laughs> or it was like part of a community complaint. I think the the choice quote was something like, "The worst thing is the Dido remixes." <laughs> it was just like, "Yeah, Kevin, bang on there." <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That, that that's fair. We we Time can stand behind that. And to be fair, I see a point as well in terms of volume at gigs because I guess the one thing I'd say is that if it's loud and for some people too loud then certainly there's ways to make it quieter. Yes. Whereas, I mean, I haven't looked into sort of advanced cone-shaped technology, <laughs> but if it's too quiet, I can't really see any way to help someone there. Yeah, no, that's So actually... that's probably the side of caution on which one should err. And like those kind of earplugs are becoming so ubiquitous in terms of, uh, you know, dimming the sound, but also not 
you're not losing that kind of impact he's talking about that you get at gigs. So they seem to be a good way forward. But yeah, you can't you can't really increase the volume. I agree. Yeah. So I thought about it and I agree. Yeah, so bands, turn it up to eleven, please. Yes. Craig Fitzpatrick and I want our heads blown off. We want to go to an ecstatic place. And speaking of getting some loud noises in your ears. Attention everyone. One, one. Shut up. Craig on Kanye. Kanye West is back to debut his season five of his fashion collection. Uh, it's going to be a New York fashion week, so go to that later this month if you want. That's a good update, Craig. And uh, <laughs> yeah, on more sort of... Is, is this really news or certainly do we have anything to say on this I think matter? this is the biggest news of the week. Beyonce is having babies. Two of them. Two of them. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, she announced it uh, via Instagram, as one does these yeah. days, I suppose. Uh, squeezed just somewhere in between Craig's No Encore Live plugs And yeah She is expecting twins And she's done a bit of a fashion shoot Yeah kind well, of a not weird a shoot, But an ar- arty shoot I suppose it's kind of just the modern version of Demi Moore Doing that what was a Harper Bazaar thing Yeah I mean, it's nothing we haven't Although seen that was at least I mean you know fairly stark I suppose If, if you haven't seen Beyonce's yeah. photos I mean, how would you best describe them? It's kind of like putting on an LSD filter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On Instagram. That Instagram LSD filter. Um, yeah, quite arty. It's kind of what you'd come to expect from Beyonce at this point. Yeah. And I'm sure we're now going to have like the maternity album or something like that, along with the maternity video. Like, I think she released more, a clip more, of her underwater yeah. as well. So there's a lot of freaky shit that's going to go down. I think you should also say, yeah, yeah more importantly, we're going to have the maternity merchandising range, which is <laughs> going to make a, make a mean penny for a Bay and J. Because, you know, kids kids are expensive these days. Um, th- thing is, like, she's having twins, but, like, I, I, I'm, I'm not an expert on this issue by any means. It was Hadley Freeman in The Guardian earlier pointed out that, like, Mariah Carey, Celine Dion, uh, Angelina Jolie... Julia Roberts, Sarah Jessica Parker, all of twins. Okay. So, so like, it's something... not an uncommon thing. In fact, it was just announced the other day that uh, Pharrell uh, either has had or is expecting triplets. Not him, his wife, granted. But you get me. <laughs> yeah, so it's some weird musical genetics thing if, like, you've got a... No, I no, I think it's just. Is, is there science backing this up, or are we Alex Jones in it? <laughs> well, I'm not. I, like, there is proof that these twins exist. If that's what really? you're asking me, is that a real baby bump? Is it? I mean, I haven't. I haven't seen them in person. Now that you think about it, <laughs> doubt everything, folks. What about those kids actually going into music? Is there any examples of like musical twins? Were crisscross twins, or are they just brothers? I don't know. They look like very good friends, anyway. Oh, well, that's good. I mean, do you want your kids to end up like crisscross? Probably. Well, hang on there. Was, wearing their clothes backwards there was this the Carter twins how could one forget yeah, right. slot Jedward next to them, and uh, yeah, I keep forgetting the Jedward for a musical thing. <laughs> How the do you bottom ha- of the list in terms of keywords that you know with Jedward music tunes? Um, yeah, there's probably good reason for that, perhaps. Yeah, top of the list is kind of like on a bus with Colm. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and getting their fans to abuse me on social media. Yeah. All right, let's take a listen to things that uh, can rightly be linked with music. Some of the new tracks <laughs> coming out this week. And top of the pile might just be this one, new from Future Islands. It's called Ram. Yeah, so as our old friend Stuart Clark would say, it's definitely a dad dancing number. Uh, the yeah. new one from Future Islands, it's taken from their forthcoming album, The Far Field. That will not be here until April 17th. But for now, what do we make of this? It's very Future Islands, particularly yeah. um, their last album, which is no bad thing. It's also, again, like, like the last album singles, very New Order. I've been listening to a lot of New Order, and you have that kind of yep. high, roaming, kind of aerodynamic bass, uh, those synths. It's good. It's It's got a weird switch up towards the chorus where it's almost, I'm not, like, I'm not musical enough to be like, I'm pretty sure it's a key change. I'm going to say it's a key change. Right. Um, which kind of catches you unexpectedly. I like it. It didn't blow me away even after maybe five listens, but yeah, it's good. I'm no, I'd, liking their sound. I'd, it's what I kind of expect, but it's also enjoyable. It's like New Order with a decent singer, which is like fucking perfect, really, isn't it? Yeah, that's not a bad comparison. Uh, I should actually just give you a quick look at my notes, uh, which include... It's not a bad thing that they sound like their last album because, of course, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Singles yeah. was a great record. And then I compared it to something like Joy Division. <laughs> so, you know, we're only... What's a, the link? <laughs> we're only a few years yeah, out man. there. Um, yeah, but I do like this, I must say. It, it, it's more on the sort of disco indie end yeah. than indie disco, mm. if you get my drift. Um, See, this is why we need Dave here because he'd be compared to like AFI or you know fucking Marilyn Manson's B sides that came out in like <laughs> 1998. Yeah, uh, no, but but I like this. It's lively and and there's even a hint of like American road music or something like that. You can imagine yeah. like you know driving around in a yeah. truck to this like, or something. And... Lyrically, is it is a bit kind of I'm on the road and I miss you, babe. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know he gets away with it because that voice. But in the press release, I mean they're talking about the Farfield album and it's it's apparently like a dozen chest pounding love songs. And it's a bit like, are you over-egging the dad dancing and the chest pounding? You don't... I'm just hoping they don't become a weird caricature over the course of an album. And as well, given that, yeah, given that it's sort of, you know, definitely has a similarity to what we've heard before. Yeah, you hope they're not going to retread old ground the whole way through. But uh, but no, I mean, like, if if, if this is, you know, sort of the lead single for an album that's going to go a little deeper into things, perhaps um, a promising start, I think it's fair to say. Um, That press release, by the way, also mentions that uh, the penultimate track of the album will feature one Debbie Harry. Yay. And Blondie are getting busy themselves. This is the first single from their new album, Pollinator. Sounds like this.
Yeah, the song calls Fun uh, features Dave Sittek from TV on the radio. He is one of a quite ridiculous list of ridiculous collaborator, collaborators uh, set up for this album. They include Johnny Marr, Sia, Dev Hines, aka Bloodwork Orange, uh, Joan Jett, Laurie Lori Anderson, Anderson yeah. uh, Charlie XCX, and Nick Valencia of The Strokes. Now, yes. we'll get to the song itself in a second, but when you look at a list like that, I'm does it look like a desperate ploy for relevance? I mean, it kind of does. But the names are so good that I'm kind of on board. Just like if they have any input whatsoever creatively and they're not just tokenistically, you know, their voices are like a bit of guitar here or there. It could be quite good. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's nothing new for Blondie in the 21st century, I don't think. Like apparently their last album, which completely passed me by, had the likes of Bet Ditto on it. Right. So hopefully that doesn't, you know... Spell disaster for the careers of the people that are on this. Well, you see, the thing is, yeah, I mean, there has been this sort of characterization, and I suppose quite reasonably, given what they did sort of around the New York scene in the late 70s, that Blondie are some sort of vintage punk outfit. Whereas for me, I think that especially, you know, when you look at kind of like Debbie Harry at that time and like the real sort of like radio hits, I suppose, that still have sort of popularity now, they probably have more in common with the kind of C's and Charlie XCX's of this world than any sort of up and coming punk band. Yeah, I mean, an early couple of records were obviously very punk influenced, but by the time they kind of properly hit it big, it was disco more than anything. They're like the American ABBA. Yeah. On some of their biggest hits. And, you know, immaculate songs. But yeah, I mean, they were one of a number of punk bands that actually, looking back, you know, punk was just rip it up and DIY and it's all about the music, man. But they were quite careerist. I think Debbie Harry was like 29 when they started properly again going. And she was just like, okay, I need to make a career now. I need to become a big, famous celebrity now. They pulled it off with a plum, but I don't know if we if we need... We'll move on to the actual song itself. Uh-huh. Uh, did this remind you of anything, particularly the guitar? It did, but I couldn't put my finger on it. I feel like it's Cola Bottle Baby, which was the sample used in Daft Punk's Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. Okay. It was pretty much that, which I liked. And it had a kind of, I don't know, a skeletal vibe of a, a Blondie hit, but wasn't quite there. And it seemed a bit clumsy. And I was like, this is, you know... a an approximation of something that might be good. Yeah. I didn't really See, like it. This is exactly it. I mean, I think there's there's enough here which suggests that it could have been good. Yeah. That's probably going to make me listen to more of what they come out with. Yeah, because it clicks. Yeah, and maybe that's, you know, the point of a first single. Maybe in a roundabout way it's done its job. I mean, no, th- this isn't great, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's a slightly different direction. It's certainly kind of like, you know, accessible and as this title suggests fun <laughs> and yeah i mean you know it could it's actually... not fun with a full stop though no no you know? no no um, and it's not maria i mean they should have just finished with that comeback single wasn't it like that is the best comeback single of all time it's true yeah it was a pity that I even had to go on an album really <laughs> yeah the album just pretty shy as yeah well, 1999 just leave it right there mm. i think um it's a while to wait by the way before we hear uh, anything else they come out with well unless they start dropping regular singles but it's not until may that that album is coming out which will just give you time to uh to to give it uh, a listen before they support phil collins in june oh my god is that a gig for you craig it's not not a big <laughs> phil collins guy i mean man jesus what he did to genesis anyway <laughs> <laughs> that's another story isn't it <laughs> what he did can't even talk about it 
Uh, sticking with old school, although granted, not quite that old school. Jamiroquai <laughs> is back. What a link! Well, it's been a while since we've talked about him. Well, we've never talked about him been on the show, certainly. And yeah, it's been a while since I think anyone's really talked about him. Uh, he's back, and his latest single. This is a bone of contention in itself. It's Automaton. So, aside from the fact that Jamiroquai doesn't seem to know how to pronounce automaton... Yes, this is the thing. What are we going to take from this song? First of all, we should say that it's it's JK, which always annoys people. It's a band rather than actually him. It's just like what everyone says. The most important thing is he's got a new hat. Of course. And it's kind of like a futuristic hat, if it maybe 1995. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the song itself is a bit weird, to be honest. Again, I had weird like 1995 playing like Wipeout on the PlayStation 1 Tech, techno kind of industrial vibes off this. I actually got yeah the sort of vibes you had from sort of like early music creator oh, games, yes, yeah, as yeah, in like yeah, you know yeah. something you'd have for your PS One, like and it just had preset loops, you know, yeah, um, everything like like that that robot vo- vo- the robot vocals and that kind of glitchy sound every now and then, and like there's there's every now and then something like that hook with the kind of Roixop style, yeah, you know, synths going in the background, um, or like there's like Nile Rogers guitars for like twenty seconds, which I'm sure have just been put in in some sort of strange Daft Punk subconscious link. It's thing. like every kind of half decent idea he had, and she was studios like, okay, this has to go into the first single, and it's just a weird jumble, and the ideas aren't even that great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's it, and and it's almost like the bits that he may have almost got slightly right, almost just draw attention to the fact that the song needn't be as bad as it actually is. Yeah, I mean, is there room in the world for a Jamiroquai post Denise Van Outen post turning out to be a tosser that gets beaten up when complaining about his car? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, musically, do do we need this? <laughs> Denise Van Outen, by the way, what a shout! Um. <laughs> Yeah, do we need this? I think it's almost certainly not. And yeah, for a guy as well who was definitely basing his career on sort of like, you know, futuristic music and and, and ideals. um, Yeah, I think time has definitely passed him out on this one. I mean, the hat's good. He's put a lot of effort into that hat. You know what? Hats are his thing. I'll I'll give him that. I'll give him that. I will doff my, you know, (laughs) upper headwear towards him. Um... Finally, this week, in terms of uh, new tracks uh, from Bunkert. Uh, that's banquet written in text message language, which I presume, like, who would do that? Like, who'd write a text message with no vowels? 
but then you use the word banquet. No one probably. No, like a but really, I feel like, like a really stupid posh person. This is something that I feel more. Tara Palmer Tompkinson. <laughs> This is more like tech startups looking for a name rather than bands, isn't it? It it's is like they indeed. find one one word and then take out a couple of letters and then they just you know float on the stock exchange for you know two hundred million. So as a band name, it's not brilliant. As a band, though, it's pretty good as kind of indie super groups go. Yeah, I'm, I must say I'm quite I'm kind of liking this. Um, yeah, I mean, so the, the project itself uh, is basically Midlake's idea. Um, Eric Polito and three players from that have basically gotten together with a bunch of their mates. So you've Ben Bridwell from Band of Horses, Alex Capranos from Franz Ferdinand, Fran Healy of Travis fame. Remember him? <laughs> and uh, Jason Little from Granddaddy, who is responsible for Jason Lee calling his son Pilot Inspector. You know, because of that song. He's simple, he's dumb, he's the pilot. Which is a great song, but really? You're going to put that on your son? Yeah, uh, no. So they're taking, you know, they're taking it in turns to write and sing a song over it. And first impressions are good. I kind of like this. Yeah, I must say I was very worried when I kind of heard the concept for this band. Like, I mean, you know, you said it yourself. It's Midlake's idea with a bunch of different vocalists. It sounds like this is going to be Midlake album yeah. with guest vocalists. The thing is, it's not. And it's, in fact, extremely different. There's like a chunk of sort of like classic rock in there, I think. Yeah. Um, it's quite psychedelic. It has a Tame Impala kind of vibe. Going yeah. On. It's bouncy. It's a bit of fun. Absolutely. And and what's more, yeah, it, it like they kind of seem to play off each other quite well as well, I think. So this, yeah, the signs are good. Yeah. I mean, they've called the band uh, the Poor Man's Traveling Wilburys, which is <laughs> immediately endears me to them. Um, and when you kind of see Alex Sopranos there, I'm, I'm thinking this this might be a bit of a winner because he does play well with others. Um, that FFS um, collaboration with Sparks, that was a great album. And I thought this is not going to work. Franz Ferdinand playing with Sparks, really good record. So if he's involved, I'm on board for those tracks at least. Yeah, no, I must I must say I'm, I'm feeling positive about this one. And uh, frankly, that wasn't the case when I heard about it coming up first. So yeah, this could be one to keep an eye out for. The album is coming out pretty soon, I think. It's going to be called Volume 1. I'm going to go with April. April 28th. Yes, nailed it. So it is. On Dual Told Bella Union. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We've been very positive overall. I feel like we're letting Dave down. Okay. Do you not think so? Well, in that case... Do you think we're going to remain positive as we move on? Well, to the album. Uh, Yeah, this week... uh, saw the release of Elbow's Little Victories. Uh, it's been out now for uh, three or four days in your world. Uh, for a week, we've or more, we've been giving it mm. a bit of a spin. And uh, yeah, well, first, I guess we'll hear what it sounds like. Counting down now the clocks we set when I met you So that right there is Gentle Storm, the latest single from Little Victories, Elbow's seventh studio album. Um, We know what Dave would say. Dave is not a fan of Elbow. In fact, we even uh, got him out of his deathbed 
to send us this. Hey guys, uh, yeah, this album fucking sucks. Two out of ten, and I'm being generous. Now we we don't know if that's the drugs he's on. We don't know if he's really spent a lot of time with the record, but kind of emphatic, I would say. Yeah, it sounds like something Dave would say anyway. I'll tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> I could just say that was before he was he properly succumbed to tonsillitis. His voice today sounds a bit like a Fraggle Rock character. It's quite <laughs> hilarious. Um, but you obviously feel better, Dave. Of course. In the but, meantime, yeah. we should probably have a, a slightly more extensive chat about this record. Because first of all, the fact that anybody could feel any great anger or really, if I'm honest, any huge emotion towards Elbow seems a little foreign to me. They're always one of those bands that's kind of just there. Yeah, this was the thing about Elbow. My relationship with them probably goes back to early, early 2000s when they were very much just like, you know, you've got Elbow. Um, you've got athlete. Mm-hmm. You've got a bunch embrace. of embrace. You've got embrace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, doves. Obviously, who I actually liked. Yeah, it does um, good. But with elbow, I think I got the second record, uh, cast of thousands, because it was getting great reviews. And I remember listening to it. I had it was called Cast of Thousands because it had the crowd singing on one track. Mm-hmm. I listened to it. The songs did nothing for me, and I had that weird communal vibe that always makes me feel <laughs> left out so i was like no this is too beige and we're all having a moment i'm gonna leave them alone so i haven't really been listening to elbow except for when it's um the london olympics essentially right. <laughs> i was expecting lots of these anthemic songs and this kind of caught me by surprise a bit yeah now it should be said that the first thing when you play this album is the first single it's called magnificent parenthesis she says if you hadn't heard that here's a very quick blast And when that plays, you think, oh, Jesus, they're trying to make it the Olympics again. And they've (laughs) tried to write on a day like this 10 times over to fill this album. Yeah. And bits and bobs I've heard single wise from the last couple of records have very much been in that vein. But then it it totally changes um, Gentle Storm, which we heard. uh, And a number of tracks where they're almost channeling like slower version of Velvet Underground. There's weird 60s guitars. It kind of comes off with like a kind of weird Radiohead light for me. Right now, very light. Very <laughs> I'm not light. Going, you know, damning the you know damning them with fame price. Um, but yeah, it's kind of just jazzy bits. It's kind of that King of Limbs musically stuff going on, but with very Guy Garvey, beery. I've got a hangover, and my girls dump me. Although in this album, it's a bit more upbeat because Bernie just got married. Well, this is the thing. Yeah, yeah this is an upbeat album, yeah, and yeah. you're right. I mean, he does very much write in that sort of pub philosopher mode yeah but this album yeah he he seems to be somewhat happy uh like you mentioned he got married and um yeah went traveling a bit this year yeah and so while there's still a little bit of a sort of old skepticism and cynicism poking through yeah he seems to be pleased enough now granted it's all in a very understated manner though um because like you say this record I, i mean it's stark and and not, not even in comparison to the sort of bombast of, you know, when they bring in the strings and all that. Sure. It's just quite a 
quiet and laid back album generally I think. yeah and quite focused on the rhythmics of it I, I think they, they mm. changed their drummer I see, he seems to have had a big influence the new guy that's coming yeah in. well he's actually just a session drummer and apparently okay. they just kind of worked with him in you know cool. in recording the and album that makes itself. sense because there is some drum loops there so maybe it kind of yeah it, it just came to the forefront a bit more organically um but yeah it's it's you know when you say guy garvey is a pub philosopher I know a lot of predominantly kind of English people that think this guy is an amazing lyricist. Right. There's, you know, there's the people that go, okay, they're just trying to write anthems and I'm not really going to have much to do with them. And then there's like people that have good taste, but also seem to go, no, actually, this guy is a really good songwriter. Like, I've been kind of struck by how many English people seem to get into it. You know, here's the thing. I feel like maybe are we missing something because we're Irish? Like it's a very well, English strain of like. I'm not sure if it's just that we're Irish. I I think age might have a little bit to do with it okay, as well, yeah, especially right. listening to an album like this. Because well, basically, I think Elbow have always made music, and Guy Garvey has always written lyrics for you know people like him. And I know that's a massive cliche in music. You know, we make music for people like us, but typically yeah. that's what somebody says. You know, when they want to portray themselves as like a twenty-year-old party <laughs> animal as they sort of like collect their pension yeah. at age sixty-five. Um, whereas, yeah, I mean, I think this really is the sort of record, and indeed, you know, they are the sort of band that sort of forty odd year olds from Bury would probably be forming. Yeah. Do you know what age Guy Garvey is? Just off the top of your head. No, I don't. 42. Yeah, yeah, he's 42. Yeah. I, was, I thought he was much older because he seems to have been 42 in terms of his persona and his singing. He was but, very much an old man in a young man's body, if he indeed he was ever in a young man's body. Yeah, like, but that is kind of the thing. A lot of these lyrics, if I was around that age and in my 40s, would invoke a midlife crisis in me because I would be thinking, oh my God, is this what I've become? Um, yeah, and I mean, you can even see that on, on, on a track called K2, which starts off being a sort of fiery Brexit song and don't trust the lying media and, you know, yeah. liars. And then it ends with him uh, threatening to move to the Andes in a caravan. <laughs> so there's your midlife prices for you put to music. Yeah, and there's some kind of like half attempts at like indie rap on it. And it sounds a bit, not to harp on about the Radiohead thing, but like them doing a kind of John Lewis version of Idiotech. And, <laughs> but uh, yeah, lyrically for me, I just can't get on board. Like it's, it's almost Kasabian levels of protest music. And what I think it is, is I can't get past his voice either. Right. Now, for some people, he really soars. And he's got like a decent technical voice. But his voice to me, I can feel him talking to me. And he's spitting quite a lot. And I can feel his beery breath. And that is just what his voice does to me. I can't get past that. That's a problem for me, immediately. And the ironic thing is that on certain tracks in this album, to be honest, I thought his voice was probably better than it's ever been. As okay. in, when he's actually singing. Right. Um, Because, especially earlier in some of the kind of, you know, more quieter and contemplative, you know, loving moments on the record, he gives it a bit and maybe it's going off and doing a solo album by himself when he didn't have the band to fall back on has given him a bit more confidence in that regard but for me yeah he probably sounded a better singer than he has before okay that's but fair. i can also see how you know when he gets to the kind of talky bits 
yeah. it can jar a little bit. And we talk about when he attempts to do something approaching protest music, but when he goes back to his defaults, which are, listen, I'm a bit rubbish, uh, but here's a kind of real-life real observation coupled with a grand statement, and, oh, you're a bit lovely, aren't you? And every girl he's with is kind of just, like, about to save him, and yeah. the sun's not going to rise because he can't see her eyes. And it gets a bit, like, cheesy to me, or... I don't really see the appeal to this guy's lyrics. I can't, yeah. I can't be dealing with him. But musically, I was impressed. Verging on impressed with yeah. what they were doing. They're and certainly not a pub band. They're a band that hangs out in pubs. And the other thing that I would say is that, you know, you asked if we were missing something because we were British. I think that on this album in particular, we're probably missing something because we're not big elbow fans. Because okay. if you've been listening to Guy Garvey for six albums and you now get this his happy in love record okay, yeah, yeah. it probably means slightly more to you than it does to uh, cynical bastards like us frankly <laughs> um, and yeah musically though I am impressed and, and Elbow are not a band who change things up all that often I mean I think Seldom Seen Kid which is obviously their massive breakthrough it's already nine years old Fucking and hell. that stands as sort of the exception to prove the rule where otherwise they very much sort of tottered along. Yeah. One album sounded like the last to a certain extent. So we're seeing progress. Yeah, exactly. We're seeing a little bit of change. And for me, that is a little bit of a win in itself. I think, it. you know, they're not always pushing the boat out completely. Um, I think their confidence in some things maybe led to complacency every now and then. Yeah, like you can kind of, you can appreciate what they're doing and go, oh, you know, they're, they're not just kind of meat and two veg rock right now. But by the same token, are we excited by these songs? Are we going, oh, I have to listen to that again? I don't know if I am. I'm not. I don't think no, I know. <laughs> I don't think so. I think this is an album that Elbow fans will definitely love. Which is, yeah. And there's a few tracks on it that, you know, could get on, you know, radio, like we could be talking next year about, oh, that's fucking song again. All disco's going to grate on me. I can, I can feel it coming. Yeah. The one thing that I'll say, though, is that they remain a band for me that, you know, if they come on, like, I'm never going to dive towards the stereo to turn them off. <laughs> At the same time, I'm never going to rush to the shop to buy the album either. Yeah. And because You're going to be that, on a couch somewhere, and they'll come on, and you'll just go, oh, yeah, yeah. that's Elbow. Because of that, it slots in pretty much exactly where you'd expect it. It's sort of a, a five and a half, six for me. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to have it bang square in the middle and go five, because, I mean, maybe it should be higher if you're a fan of the band, but I gave what? Japandroid 6.5 last week so this has to be a 5 <laughs> I mean fuck that Craig um, getting too generous here <laughs> yeah. it seems my inner Dave coming out <laughs> indeed um, as we mentioned earlier our bow friend Mr Hanradi will be back for No Encore Live a reminder that tickets currently on sale at noencorelive.eventbrite.ie you should log on there uh, sometime soon and make sure that you will be there on March the 2nd. It'll be great. I'll be there. I'm working on my stand-up routine. Oh, how, how many minutes? Further. I'm up to about three and a half minutes. <laughs> um, there's a lot of kind of business gags that people won't quite get about stock exchange. It's just because, you know, that's my life now. Oh, right. Um, but yeah, apart from that, 
kind of surreal bits about unicorns. It's, it's looking good. That, it's the natural Venn diagram, yeah. really. <laughs> um, that's something to look forward to. Also to look forward to, of course, is the fact that we will be back, as always, next week here on No Encore. But to play us out, as usual, we have a new Irish track, and this week it's from Lane May. We got a kind of a sneak preview of it at the end of last year, but now it's getting its full release taken from the forthcoming EP, The Colour of Night, which will be following over the next couple of months. Uh, the EP itself is almost about three years in the making, and it's a cathartic piece of work which centres around common human experiences of grief and hope, and thankfully this one is more about hope. It's an evocative track based on childhood memories spent in Ennis Crone. That's the title of the song, and that is how we're going to finish it for this week. So for now, Craig, thank you very much for being here. Thank you. I think this has been a success. We should do it again. I think we got away with it. Right, so it's the morning after the podcast before, and I'm racked with regret. Uh, A day-free episode, who knows when that will happen again, and we didn't take advantage of the opportunity to really annoy him. Uh, So with that in mind, I'm fixing it in the edit. Feel better, mate, but just for you. Alan, please play just a little bit of The Beatles. My name is Colm O'Regan. There has been no Hanratty. This is Elaine May. This is Ennis Crone. This has been no Encore. There will be no Encore. We'll talk to you next week.
This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. And doing a large, quite detailed drawing of Cullum sucking corporate cock. <laughs> the been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.